In the holy name of Jesus, the rich young ruler gets off to a great start today in the gospel. He gets off to a great start on his knees. And from his knees, he confesses at least this much. He confesses that despite his youth, despite his wealth, despite his social position, and even despite his good and godly works, despite all of these things, he does not have eternal life. He has a great start. In fact, it is the same great start that you all have this morning. First thing, you confessed the same thing that he did. Despite your youth or despite your refined age, despite your social status, despite your wealth, your property, your 401k, and even despite your good and godly works, despite all of these things, you yourself do not have eternal life. Of course, for the rich young ruler today, things go south from there. But when we read this account, we are tempted to kind of jump too quickly past its beginning, which is very important. We focus perhaps on his self-righteousness and on his materialism, both of which, of course, are problems for him in the end. But we gloss over the desperation of this young man. It seems to me that men of his caliber are not often found in the streets on their knees. This rich young ruler with money and status and years of life to burn, is nonetheless desperate. You might even sense the exhaustion in his voice as he runs to Christ and drops to his knees before him. He senses very deeply that in spite of his possessions, his position, and his piety, he is missing something. Indeed, he is missing the thing, eternal life. And he perceives that Jesus has it. And so he runs to him and gets on his knees before him. When he later claims, as he famously does, to have kept all the commandments from his youth, he isn't saying this so much out of pride as he is saying it out of despair. He's saying, I have kept all these from my youth. I did everything they told me to do. And here I am on my knees in the street. Look what good it did me. My guess is this sort of man in our day is not uncommon. You probably know the type. Relatively successful. Relatively nice. Perhaps not religious, but nice nonetheless. Relatively young. And also relatively dissatisfied with this life. And in an age when our young people tend to be pushed in various directions and tend to be told that various things, be they economic goals or uh, vocational goals or even kind of fanciful, whimsical goals, that all these things are promised at some point to fulfill them. And you can be sure in an age like ours that there are plenty of men like this rich, young ruler. And it is worth noting that in our culture, which urges young people today to do things like chase their dreams, to do whatever they want when they grow up, it's at least worth noting that those are still imperatives, right? 
They may be nice-sounding imperatives. They may be uh, well-meaning and optimistic commands. But they still are imperatives. They still are commands. They are, Thou shalt fulfill thy dreams. Thou shalt accomplish thy goals. Thou shalt dream big. And these, just like all commandments, in the end can be crushing. We have, uh, you know, in some cases we ignore the Ten Commandments, but we insert in their place 10,000. So may our God guide these rich young rulers of our own day who are broken by all the commandments of our world to the feet of Jesus with this young man in our text. As for your part, you may or may not see yourself uh, very vividly in the picture of this rich young ruler. You might not think yourself particularly rich. You might not think yourself particularly young. You might not think yourself much of a ruler. And you might not think of yourself as particularly devout to God. But this man, even though he isn't perhaps the perfect image of you, you can at least relate to him. You can relate to something you find in this image of this man at the feet of Jesus. After all, most of us do live at least on the right side of town. After all, here we are in church on a random Sunday in the middle of October, obeying the third commandment when, you know, you really don't have to anymore. There's no social pressure to do so. So rich young rulers you might not be, but you are at least would at least be comfortable in his company. You know kind of what he's like. And so, one of the things that means is, God be praised, here you are at the feet of Jesus, looking for eternal life. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will find treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Now, first things first, Jesus loves this rich young man. Of course, he loves him just like he loves all men, but St. Mark wouldn't have had to tell us that. There's something particular here. Jesus loves this man, this rich young ruler, especially, in this case, because he is kind of in the process of being brought to the end of himself. Now, it's kind of interesting We know this man kind of colloquially as the rich young ruler. Matthew tells us he's young. Luke tells us he's rich. And Mark, just like the other Gospels, tells us, I'm sorry, tells us he's a a ruler. And then Mark tells us that he's rich. So all three Gospels, we bring them together and we call him the rich young ruler. And in the Gospel, what we see in this story is that this rich young ruler, despairing, of those three things. We see him, hopefully, despairing, being brought to the end of himself and being brought to the end of his title. He has been already brought to the end of his social status because here he is on his knees in the middle of the street. He has been brought to the end of his commandment-keeping because, as he says, he has kept them already and, obviously, they haven't worked for him. They haven't given him eternal life. And finally, he has been brought to the end of even his youth because even though he has lots of years left to live, he doesn't have eternal life 
And he seems to kind of see that, right? He sees all the way through to the end of his, all his years, and he sees that he doesn't have eternal life. Jesus loves this man. This man who is despairing on his knees before him. And so he tells this rich young ruler that he still has one more thing of which to despair. And it is the same thing, of course, that we heard in the Old Testament lesson from Amos. Amos warns the rich of his own day. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and you exact taxes of grain from him, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe, and turn aside the needy in the gate. Amos is prophesying 700 years before Christ, and Jesus in his own day spends much of his ministry rebuking the um, exploitative practices of the rich of his day. And of course, we know the same sorts of things go on. Uh, People, the more they change, the more they stay the same. We are no better than our fathers, and the wisdom of the world is always the same. The wisdom of the world in Amos' day and the wisdom of the world in our own is the same. It is always better to have a little more. It is always better to have more money because you never know when you'll need it. And we've all heard the different ways that this is talked about. We've all heard it talked about in terms of security, comfort. We call it wealth management. We call it not being a burden to others. We call it being independent. And we call it being prepared for the future. None of those things are wrong in and of themselves. Uh, But what is all behind these, these slogans, these words, is that more money is always better. It always has to be better because it always provides more security, more comfort, more independence, and more preparation for the future. Now, we've got to pause here. Uh, Jesus is not calling all people to what he has called this rich young ruler to today. So we can all take a deep breath. But he is saying something that's quite striking. And he intends it to be striking. St. Mark records it because it is remarkable. The word of God is always for us. It's always for you personally. God's word to the rich young man is, is very interesting. He says, you lack one thing. But surely that, that's completely backwards. It is a deep irony that Jesus tells the man, you lack one thing. Because he tells him, you lack one thing. But this is the rich man who has great possessions. And Jesus is saying that they, his possessions, are precisely what is causing him to lack. They're precisely what is causing him to fall short, to fall behind. His great possessions are his poverty. It's, it's, I, the only best I could do is it's like a black hole, right? The bigger the black hole is, the more it just takes away, right? And, and so we might not think of ourselves as rich young rulers. 
We might not think of ourselves, uh, we have not received the same calling that, he, that Jesus gave him, um, but we are called to acknowledge that our possessions, that your possessions, your wealth, actually all add up to a lack. And that is not the same to, as saying possessions are bad or wealth is bad or that they're worthless. It's important to note that Jesus didn't say, take your money and throw it all away or burn it up or get rid of it. He tells him to do something good with it. But it's kind of like St. James told us a few Sundays ago in the epistle reading. St. James tells us, Let the poor man rejoice when he is exalted, but let the rich man rejoice when he is uh, humbled. So this rich young man's wealth would be very good and would enrich the lives of the poor. But this rich young man's wealth turns out, Jesus says, would not enrich his life. In fact, for him, it all adds up to a negative. It all adds up to a lack. And this is just kind of backwards, right? Um, Jesus is saying that the ways of the world, the wealth of the world, the wisdom of the world is exactly the opposite of the wisdom of the world to come. Because this man, we have to remember, has come to Jesus for one thing. What is it? For eternal life. And eternal life is the opposite of the life of this world. Eternal life, Jesus is warning him, is not something you can attain or possess or stockpile. It is not something that you can foster or increase through healthy living, through wise practices and all the rest. Eternal life is what you receive when you come to the end of yourself, when you despair and when you find yourself at the feet of Jesus. Before Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, just like your tongue confessed just a few moments ago. And that, as we have said, that confession that you have made is a very good start because it is the start of eternal life. Repentance and faith in Jesus is the start of eternal life, which is, this eternal life, is the gift that Jesus has come to give and it is the gift that you, right now, have come to receive. So may our Lord grant that many who despair of this world's ways as this rich young man began to do, may our Lord grant that many people like him would despair of this world's ways and join you. And then, every empty hand shall be open, and every empty hand will receive the very treasure of heaven. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen.